Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, it's so great to have you with us again here at Metro Church and metrochurch.online. Whether you're joining us on YouTube, Facebook Live or on metrochurch.online, I'm so thrilled that you get to be a part of this wonderful service that we call My Story. It's where we interview somebody or some people from our church and get a bit of an insight into their life and about how God has formed them and brought them to where they are right now. I know every single one of them has been amazing and fascinating in every way, but also inspiring and challenging. And this one is going to be no different at all for every single one of us. Hey, thank you as well to every one of you, because this is our church service on this one Sunday night of the month in my story. So thank you to everyone as well. I love the generosity of the people of this church. So God bless you and a big thank you to every single one of you that are committed through your tithes and your offerings. I know that you are seeing the blessing of God in your life and seeing amazing things happen as God uses you to bless other people. Don't forget as well, by the way, everything that you find on the website of metrochurch.org.au is available there for you. You're welcome to be a part of it. If ever you're in Perth, we'd love to see you at one of our services here at Metro Church. Today, in this My Story, I've got two very special guests. I think you'll probably recognise both of them because they've been such an amazing part of this church now for several years, and you see them often leading worship. Uh, But today, this is not about their worship ministry. This is about how God has taken them from a country that some of you will be familiar with. Others of us really don't know much about it, but we're going to find out in this my story. So I'd love you to help me welcome none other than Dr. Ruby Machero. Hello. Welcome, Ruby. Thanks, Great Jeff. to have you with us. So good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and also <laughs> her sister, yeah. Tendai Machero. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Great to have you with us, <laughs> Thank Tendai. You. Thanks for having us. Let me get yeah. the official part of this out of the way. <laughs> Ruby. Yes. Dr. Ruby Machero. Yes. Obstetrician gynecologist in the public health system Correct. here in Western Australia. Yes, yes, proudly so. Uh, born and trained here. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. This okay. is exactly so you did all your medical training here. Didn't Correct. You? Yes. Yeah. So okay. um, that's where at, at UWA started there in two thousand. Well, did my first degree there and then went on to do medicine as well as a postgraduate degree. And yeah, that's this is where I've trained. I've always been here. Did my internship here and got into my training program here. So yeah. Yeah, so, very proud. I'm already into this. <laughs> How long has that taken you thus far? It's it's a long process, and I always love explaining it to people because I think there's a little bit of a misconception about how doctors work. So you study medicine for six years, so that's a six-year undergraduate degree. Then you get the title of doctor at the end of that, but you have to complete a compulsory internship, which is your first year as a doctor. Um, Not the same as an apprenticeship or something. You actually get paid and you are actually working in the system. Mm 
Once you have com- successfully completed your internship, then you are now able to qualify. You are a qualified doctor. And then I worked for another two years as what we call a resident medical officer. And then um, I started my training in Obs and Gyne, and that's where I am. And that's a six-year training program. So in the next four or so years, I'll finally have reached the zenith and be a specialist. So from beginning to end, at least sort of 10 to 12 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> but no less impressive, Tendai, you are a social worker uh, specialising in child protection. You've got a master's degree in social work and, you know, any of us that know you well and know the work you do, which is at the very pointiest end of child protection, I, I am in awe. I honestly don't know how you do what you do. Uh, so thank you on behalf of all the families of Western Australia as well for what you do know, because a society that doesn't care for its most vulnerable uh, is in uh, obviously falling apart. So thank you for what you do. Um, yeah, but can I ask you straight up, how, how do you cope with the emotional assault that that is every single day of your life? That is a very good question and a very deep one to start with. Um, (laughs) Look, I thought I knew what self-care meant and then I became a social worker and I realised I knew nothing. Um, But really, first and foremost, I think the stronghold, that is my faith. Being able to actually give a day to God before it even begins and then actually working through it at the end, processing some of that. So my prayer and quiet time is really important. But um, just in the physical, because I know not everybody has that journey of faith yet or or Mm -hmm. is where I'm at, Um, you really rely on the people who are your close-knit circle. So professionally, that ability to be able to debrief. So particularly when really pointy things happen, Mm -hmm. there's that opportunity for me to do that at work and with trusted colleagues. And then in my own personal life as well, staying connected to friends and family is a really huge thing for getting me back to centre and back in balance. Can I ask you about that in the light? I know we're already, we've dived in pretty quickly here, but because Australia right now, the pandemic and all the stuff that goes along with that, the isolation, I've noticed people are tending to, not because of health risk, but because of emotional overload, feeling I just don't have the capacity and they're starting to disconnect a bit more. And yet for you that would be a recipe for disaster. Yes. And I think no less for our, our nation, particularly for Christians, where the Bible says, make sure you stay connected. Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing for you. It's so true. It's such a big thing. And actually, um, probably a little bit counterintuitive because mm-hmm. by nature, I'm generally quite a reserved, almost introverted person. But I found that in pressing into connection and making sure that I keep in touch with those Even though the circle is small, there are a few Mm. people who I actually regularly keep in touch with. That's what keeps me going. So, yes, the temptation's always there to disconnect and you feel like, and to feel like you need quiet and you need to be by yourself and retreat Mm -hmm. in this season throughout this pandemic. But I would really encourage people Mm. to actually just just reach out, even if it's only one or two people. Sometimes that's the... um, make the effort. Exactly, Mm. exactly. That's what keeps you going. I think we all need a bit of both, to be honest. Mm. You know, I think we need to have, 
times where we can get rid of all the noise and centre it. Can I ask you though, because you talked about your faith, and I know that some people tend to think, well, Christians, it's a crutch, prayer, it's, it's all in their brain, you know, uh, whatever. I have there been times though where you've encountered a situation and then you personally and privately as the individual and the right that you have, you've taken that to God as a, as a believer and seen an answer come for that? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Um, I can't even count, Pastor Jeff, the number of situations where I've really felt either out of my depth or just that I didn't have the knowledge or I felt really underqualified in a particular situation right. and just even under my breath, I have actually gone you know what, God, like, I can't do this. I don't have the answers. I'm human and imperfect like anybody yeah. else. But there have been such incredible moments where I've either felt a sense of peace or just a sense of knowing mm. what was natural to do in that situation, and it's actually worked out, and I can't take the credit for that, wow. actually. So for me, it's, um, it's a very real and a very lived experience that I've been able to, in the course of my work and in the course of my day, be able to call on God and just say, look, I need help. Mm. I'm an imperfect person trying to help other imperfect people. Yeah, right. I need some sort of wisdom kinda, and that's come. It's humbling, isn't yeah. it, to be, yeah. I always think being used by God doesn't make you proud. It does the opposite mm. because you just go, God did that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for you, Ruby, I've, I've been at the birth of my three children. I do not know of anything that points more to God. Yeah than the birth of a child. You go, this was in there. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's, it's, yeah. it's true. <laughs> it's pretty Incredible. magical. Yeah. But it's also pretty stressful. And I, I, how do you cope with those? I'm sure there are heartaches and disappointments and things that don't turn out well. How do you, I think about these things, how do you deal with the, that, that just didn't go the way it should have? Is the same story for you? I think it is. There's lots of parts that resonate to that. And I think in those moments for me is it reminds me to be human. Mm. And I think in those moments with those women who have lost their babies or things didn't go well, just stopping and just being a human in that space and taking away the doctor frame, I think um, as much as it hurts and it stings um, mm. and tears are shed, it just helps you remember the beauty that comes and the healing that can come from being someone. It's such a privilege to be able to be in someone's life when they're experiencing probably their darkest moment. Yeah, well. And you can really make a difference in that time. You can really be that hope and allow them to see past this black screen that's all of a sudden just fallen over them. So I think for me, knowing that God is hope and knowing that that hope and that light shines through me and that is what people can see, I think that really helps and constantly reflecting on that and uh, drawing back to that. Wow. But um, yeah, I think, I think there's also, uh, similar to what he said, just having people around you who you can trust and be vulnerable with, um, knowing your skill, knowing where your strengths are, knowing where your weaknesses are, mm -hmm. I think, and having that good um, self 
self-knowledge um, and, and stepping out sometimes. And I think as a doctor and an A-type personality, sometimes you feel like you need to be able to do everything all the time. Yeah. And when you call for help or when you remove yourself from a situation, you sometimes you have that tendency to think, oh, maybe it's a sign of weakness and maybe people mm -hmm. think I'm incompetent. But yeah. actually, that's what's safe. Yeah. If you kind of go into a situation and you're like, this is too much for me, the safest thing you could do is actually step, step, step mm -hmm. aside and step out. Um, and allow yourself that space and allow yourself um, to, to know that you're not, you're not made of steel. Um, yeah. And so I think as I've kind of grown and as I'm growing, I'm still learning, um, just having those moments of kind of going, is this a weakness for me? Because if it is, maybe the safest thing for me is to do nothing and step aside and ask yeah. for the appropriate person to step into that space. Wow. And that's not weakness. That's yeah. being well self-aware. That's being strong. That's being Charlotte. courageous. And that's yeah. recognizing that I'm not everything to everyone and yeah. neither should I be. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So I think just bits and pieces. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, we've really dived into yeah. the yeah. here, haven't yeah. we? Love it. But let me take you back a minute, though, because one of the reasons I wanted to ask both of you who are sisters, yeah. could be twins, it would be, uh, would be. Well, <laughs> That's to my benefit. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, people say to me, which one's the oldest? I go, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but both of you have come from Zimbabwe. You grew up there. And so can I ask you, you grew up in Zimbabwe in the 90s. Now, I have no idea. What was Zimbabwe in the 90s like? Honestly. It was amazing. Yeah. It was an epic it childhood. Was, yeah. <laughs> it, it actually was. Good. Um, I think in all sorts of ways. I remember, um, or, or maybe just to paint this, paint the picture a little bit. Like we had the, or have had the privilege of growing up in a household. So we have an older brother. Um, both our parents with us, having that extended network of family and friends. So whilst we were born and raised in the capital city Harare, which is really like any other city that you see on TV, quite built up and, you know, as, as metro as metro gets, we also have a um, traditional home or okay. a village that we okay. come from. So, again, the sort of mud huts, thatched roofs, open fire, cooking on open so fires. Did you yeah. go there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We every went there regularly. Holiday. Yeah. So at least oh, really? one week of every school holiday. How was in that it? going from the mod cons <sighs> of a city living to a... <laughs> Honestly, it, it sounds like you'd be super excited, but like the first two days, you're like, really, why am I why here? Am I here? There's, there's <laughs> Sleeping on the floor. <laughs> I'm not used to all the smoke. Um, and I'm like, and my hair is going to smell <laughs> like smoke. And you, you're trying to look calm because everyone can see that you are clearly not from the village. So everyone can see you low-key choking on the smoke, but yeah. you're trying to... You're trying to be strong face. while eyes are watering. <laughs> like, <laughs> and um, is the food the same when you go... It was honestly better. Better, probably. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 But as you kind of realise and connect to that part, it's, it's connection to country, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. you just yeah. realise that this is home and the things you learn and the up late, you know, staying up late and stories, stories being, told being told and sharing, you know, yeah. those beautiful traditional things that you see. And um, even like the young men being taught how to, you know, how to shepherd, sh like, sh you know, cows and whatever, mm. or even slaughtering cows yeah, and yeah. things and traditional yeah. ceremony, uh, like weddings and traditional, yeah. those yeah. types of ceremonies. It's just so beautiful. You just feel like I belong. It's yeah, this wow. um, yeah. uh, beautiful feeling. But also on the flip side of things, um, Zim was like the fruit basket of yeah. Africa. Yeah. Like oh, really? if you ask mm. so many people from other countries in that era, yeah. going to Zimbabwe or being 
being from Zimbabwe was, was the best amazing. holiday. Amazing. It yeah. was, you wow. know, such a rich country, beautiful wow. people. Mm. Um, our the Zimbabwe dollar was stronger than the British pound at that stage. Okay. So, you know, we were yeah, well, that's high flights. Very different yeah. to what yeah. I thought. Yeah. I thought you're gonna tell me about conflicts and no, okay. no we, we so honestly we, did it at that time yeah. we didn't grow up with those things around us we like were starting to bubble and i think the unrest was starting yeah. to show mm. but at that time honestly it was a great childhood a great yeah. place like i yeah. always had um in my mind the fact that i would you know get married and raise my children yeah. in zimbabwe yeah. as well yeah. like yeah. it was just and, and still is like i have such fond memories of growing yeah. up um, just to touch back on the holidays, though, you didn't actually explain about the some of the hard work or the hard lessons oh, we had to learn yes. about ploughing the land and mm. harvesting and stuff like that. A, yeah, I'd love a photo we've, of that. We've <laughs> done like we've done it all. But again, so rich in helping yeah. us understand, for example, yeah. our grandparents' generation and that whole subsistence yeah. farming right. and all of that. So yeah. really rich and great lessons from our childhood. Yeah. So we got the balance of both city life but also really being in touch with our roots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. love a photo of you two ploughing. would be... I feel like there's very little ploughing done. <laughs> and look, I feel like we brought the entertainment. <laughs> I was <laughs> That's more probably, there for the morals. Yeah, probably. and I was there for the afternoon tea and morning tea. But anyway. <laughs> so when you were yeah. quite young, yeah. I've I certainly heard this about you, Ruby. Yeah. I'm not sure. What was your dream? Of life. What did you want to yeah. be when you were a child? Was it a doctor, a gyno, obstetrician, yeah. you know, a child protection worker? Yeah. What, what was? The, what, what did you want? To be honest, Jeff, every time I think about it, I feel I kind of delve into it a little bit more, and I feel like there was a there in my in my formative years, probably late um, primary school, early high school. I actually wasn't sure what I wanted to be. I I knew that there was a sense of me that was very compassionate and very wholesome in that manner. And to me, that looked like helping. Okay. Um, when I was younger, I, I, I did want to be a nun and I mentioned it to mum and then she was like, oh, you probably can't have a family and you don't get paid for that. <laughs> and I was like, mm, that didn't get the brief. <laughs> that sealed the deal. Yeah, right? yeah. That so she's awesome. like, that's, that's, that's a few cons. I also uh, like shopping and I also like kids. So, <laughs> so did, you told me just yeah. before though that you also. Yes, yes. but even more so. so yeah. Really? yeah, I think at about the age of 15 or yeah. 16 I got really into the idea that I wanted to be a nun but very similarly I think that the drive and the motivator wow. behind that was wanting to help and yeah. my whole education was in a, in a Catholic school I went to yeah. the Dominican convent so I would see these nuns day in and day out actually kind of serving community reaching out to the local community and for me that was like that was it. Um, so I approached my mum with the idea and I think I actually brought pamphlets along because I'd asked for information at school. Um, and again, with just so much grace and wisdom, um, mum kind of responded to that and went, okay, well, you're still quite young and how about, you know, we explore this. You can actually kind of... That's why it's yeah, parenting, yeah. I got support to kind of assist with things at school. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a dream that was crushed for me. But I, I was given space to that's come a to a realisation. That's a great that, point for every yeah. parent, really, isn't it? You yeah, know, yeah. Even if you don't see it that way and you think, this is the craziest idea my child's yeah. ever come up with. Exactly. I reflect so, on it now and they were probably freaking out a little bit, but they, they didn't show nuns, it. <laughs> both daughters, yeah, right. Completely. Yeah, yeah. So but obviously that was, then yeah. faith was a part of the landscape yeah. every day for you girls yeah. as you're growing up. Somewhere along the way... Did, how did that change? 
you know, you've come mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. a very structured way of approaching God yeah. and mm -hmm. that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the way that shifts. So which yeah. which one of you first saw that change? I don't I don't know. There was there was a time so our T and I have a little bit of a not so much a gap but I think our growing up um had yeah. moments where we were together and then not together Separate, so yeah. um I'll, I'll let T tell her story but um when I was just starting high school T went um away for a year in Switzerland and so she spent some time there and so um I was in that, that time holiday that <laughs> no that would have loved it it was um an exchange program but yeah. funnily no one ever exchanged in my place but anyway it was an exchange program um so I was sort of great. towards the end of high school and yeah. I am so in love to this day with the French language and I got the oh, opportunity to go to Switzerland yeah it's, yeah. it's amazing yeah so in that time um I think when I was then starting um uh, high school uh, T was also on her own journey of mm. you know growing up and being in a foreign country at a young age and for me I think I what resonates them uh, what I saw the most was when um, we were in church, you'd see really young people just not looking enthused mm. about what they were. It almost just felt like they were there because it's something that was done. Sunday was a day for church. And I was like, surely there's something more. There was just a, it was almost just like a pulling feeling. It feels like a physical pull. And I was like, there's something more to this. And, um, and so for myself, even through school, um, going to places like Scripture Union and um, being involved in worship in a different way when I would have friends who uh, would go to um, um, other churches and I'd be like, this is, th that's it. Whatever that was, that's what it should be like when, when you're though, worshiping, you know? I had the same experience of not knowing what it was. Yeah. But when I saw it, you're like, you knew what it was. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, and Absolutely. Where do you think yeah. though, because some people that are going to be a part of this, Yeah are going to be going church background or none at all. Yeah. And yet I found over and over again the same thing you just said, yeah. that drawing, almost yeah. like a physical drawing, yeah. which I believe is what the Bible calls the grace of yeah. God, yeah. in that God is so hungry to have fellowship or communion or relationship with humanity yeah. that he will go to every person and touch and something every inside length. of Absolutely. them and then create opportunities. Yeah. Like I look back over the journey and go, that ha happened and that happened. Yeah. And some of them were quite unusual, yeah. but they were a part of the journey that you don't see until later. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And yeah, so around about 15, 16, I started to actually um, look into what faith meant for me. Yeah, right. And so that's when things changed. And then, um, you know, as I grew older, coming to Australia, that allowed myself to grow um, um, into, yeah, into the, onto the journey that I'm on now. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, for me, that was probably around then. And yeah. 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 And my, my story actually kind of um, has kind of ducks and weaves into yours as mm -hmm. well. In a sense, I think that first year of me really being conscious of my faith being my own yeah. and not being something that was inherited from mm. my parents or anything like that was that year that I went away wow. because all of a sudden I didn't have, you know, it was up to me what I did with my Sunday mornings. It was up to me whether I connected wow. with my faith or even with a church, any church mm. um, on those days. So I think that's where the, the real personal journey started for me. I was so blessed in that year as well. Um, I had two host families. The first one um, 
was really gracious, but church was not a done thing in their home. Faith was not a thing in their home. So again, it, that relied yeah. on me to just read my Bible yeah. and kind of interact, you know, you know, say my own prayers, whatever. But um, my second host family was um, through a girl um, that I was in school with for a few months before they became my host family. So they didn't sign up until after they'd actually met me and they're like, wow. oh, you know, this, this is a great friendship. Yeah. And I spent the last seven months of my stay with them. Um, and I, that's when I was introduced almost to the youth um, that youth faith scene. We went out to Christian concerts. We did all of that. And that's when I was like, right, this is it. It's, it's exciting. It's fun. It doesn't mean just sitting in a church building. There are so many more facets to this. And that's really where my journey began. And yeah, as a young adult coming over to Australia for study, um, I I already had that faith, that that background and that relationship starting. So it just blossomed from there. So did you both come to Australia at around the same time? Uh, no. no, there's a five-year okay. age gap between mm, us. Yeah. So I had a little bit of a head start. Okay. Um, yeah, so... so you looked after a little sister when she finally turned up. Is that yes. the way it went? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I was in college. I was in res college yeah. for the first year, for my like first that. year of uni, so right. that was good. But I always had tea around and yeah. um, or she was always there to, to help and the moments that I was in between <laughs> abodes. <laughs> Yeah. Which, honestly speaking, I think um, is also another really beautiful part yeah. of our story because, like Ruby was saying, because of that age gap, I kind of graduated into things while she was I, still a little bit too young to be in that. So, so it almost feels like we were we never quite caught up with each other. And then in our young adult years, yeah. um, when when we were now living in the same country, experiencing yeah. some of the same things, I think that that really deepened our relationship yeah. as sisters. And, yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty obvious to anybody that's watched both of you or been a part of a service and seen you both lead or speak or do all the things that you've done that your relationship with God has gone a long way past a ritual or a structure or yeah. a, this is what I have to do and has become something so much a part of your inner life and that nourishes you both so much that it's almost hard to separate you know what I mean? Like mm, yeah. for some people, God's the box that you go and visit, yeah. either on a Sunday or twice a year. Yeah. Christmas, Christmas. Or yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But for people that know Christ, it, it's like, how do you explain to somebody? I'd love you to try. How do you explain to somebody the difference between religion and knowing Jesus Christ? How do you explain to somebody that? Give it a try. That is a big question. But I guess for me, when I process those two things, one is really about trying to follow potentially a set of rules. Okay. So a set of a set of directions that are given, you know, you show up on the Sunday, it starts at this time, finishes at this time, and, you know, you've done your service yeah, for yeah. that Sunday. The personal relationship part comes, I think, where you realise that you actually, for me, I don't see God as some mystical being that kind of sits way in the heavens and can't hear what I say. I can actually have conversations just as I would. And I journal a lot. So just as I would have a conversation with you or with my sister or with a friend, I actually approach God the same way. But hold a second here, Mm -hmm. because you are both highly educated. Mm -hmm. And some people will say, look, you know, that's for people of low intellect. 
which I mean, if, if you're a part of this church, we've got more people who are highly educated than yeah. anything else. But uh, how does that? Do you see you're a doctor for goodness' mm. sake? You've studied all this science for so long. Mm. Obviously, for you, there's no conflict between yeah. the scientific viewpoint mm -hmm. and your faith walk. Mm -hmm. Because God came first, well. everything else was of him. Everything that is good is of him. And for me, there doesn't need to be a conflict be between science and God because I strongly believe that he created the people who have allowed us the technologies that we now um, can be privy to and have allowed us the um, advancements in science that we need to. And he created, the story starts with him, he's at the center. And so everything that I now see and everything that we see and that we understand about how life works and how, and how um, you know, most things in science work, it just reflects his story. It just reflects his creation story. And so for me, I, I don't grapple. You can try and find and look and find, but it just makes sense if it you make, it's, keep, makes a, yeah. Sorry, it makes a big difference. You just said your starting point. Yeah, yeah. Because if you start from a, a thought pattern that says science and God don't mix, yeah. then all you ever look for is the reasons, is the reasons why, why they don't. don't. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. If you start yeah. from the other one, it's a totally different It's, it's totally yeah. different. It's totally different. And wow. I strongly believe that he allowed us, um, you know, he gives us the ability to have smart people who can make medications, who can do all of these creative things. And then wow. um, everyone on the other side of that can, you know, we, uh, he gave us the ability to train and, and work out and outwork medicine as we do now. And he, he gave us that. And, mm -hmm. um, and even to, to sort of reflect back on that question of how do you separate religion from knowing, um, from knowing God, it is, I am his image. And for me, Knowing him is being the is is being me and allowing him to be the best me. Mm -hmm. So allowing that ability to of to allow him to shine through me, mm -hmm. and and religion just tells you that there are set things to do yeah. to allow yourself a gain at the end of it. Mm -hmm. But no, God says the complete opposite that we are here for life and to have life to the fullest while yeah, we're in it. Great. It's not just about the promise at the end. Um, and yeah, yeah, so. So how do you, or what do you think about the fact that two girls growing up in Zimbabwe and then moving, you know, such a variety of experiences, Switzerland for a year, mm. etc. but you've both ended up in the kind of professions that are all about others and all about caring. Mm. Any thoughts? I think for me, it's it's wiring, in the sense that I can't I can't think of a day in my life where I haven't actually wanted to help, where that's been my oh. default mm. position. And I think we were both so incredibly blessed to have parents who taught us yeah. to look outside of ourselves, yeah. Yeah. to actually look for opportunities where you could meet needs. So when we were little and we had very little pocket money or very you know, when, when we had toys, but our, for example, cousins or extended family didn't have those things, we were always encouraged to give. We were always encouraged to look outside of ourselves. Oh, yeah. And I think that really was the setup because as we've grown into, um, you know, the young women we are now, 
it's it's impossible to shut that side yeah. of ourselves yeah. down. Yeah. You, it's just innate in who we are, and I think that has had a huge part to play. Um, I had a first career in banking and finance. Um, did you? Yes, I did before I became a social worker. So that's a whole other side of my life. Yes. Things we found um, out. Exactly. But, you know, for the entire time that I was there, I did the best that I could and I was the best person I could be. But there was always something in my heart that told me that there was more and I needed to be in a space where I could extend myself yeah. in a different yeah. way. Well. And so... You know, this is this is how becoming a social worker was born. When I actually made that decision to follow that inbuilt, you know, desire to actually be in a space where I could bring the best of myself to help so others. So let me yeah. ask you both to give some advice because you've both said some amazing things for parents. Uh, again, we're living in a time and a space where it seems sometimes that the prevailing opinion is you just got to hands off your kids. You gave birth to them. You've fed them and clothed them. You're paying for their education. Mm. But how they go is just up to them. And yet that's not what's happened for no, you. No. I yeah. love what you said earlier. Yeah. You know, my mum never crushed my dreams. Yeah. But she guided my dreams. Yeah. yeah. So with your expertise in family life, uh, what do you think the most important thing for parents... Uh, or a parent, what's the most important thing that, uh, you know, they can do in that regard for a, a yeah. child? I think um, oh, so many ways you could go with this. But I think for me is the realisation that I guess being a parent is that privileged space of being able to help guide and shape. Right. Um, and I know that a lot of people, I've encountered so many people who want to start by being their children's friends. Mm. But if you start by <laughs> yeah. being the parent yeah. at a certain age and a certain point, I they will become naturally. your friend. Yeah. I think we're just striking gold right here. Yeah. Say that again yeah. because yeah. I think that bears repeating. I yeah. just feel as a parent, be that. That is what you are called to be, to guide and to steward and to nurture and at a certain point, your child will become your friend. Yeah. I look at my parents today and they are my yeah. friends. Yeah. They are my friends. They continue to speak into my life yeah. and they give me advice and we have robust conversations like any other, <laughs> yeah. you know, any other family. Yeah. Um, there are times when I disagree with what they, what they say, but I think we only arrived at that place because they did the hard stuff when I yeah. was younger. It probably wasn't easy for them to say no. It yeah. probably wasn't easy for them to put boundaries and things in place that were age appropriate, but they did that. Mm. And I can respect and honour them for that now yeah. because I have that yeah. friendship with them. Yeah. And, and yeah, I That's think a good I'm, point. yeah. You, you're, if I'm, you're the, yeah. the parent, yeah. as I heard someone say once, you know, giving birth to a child may make you a mother or a father. Yeah but it doesn't necessarily make you a parent, parent. in that yeah. role. Yeah, and that's exactly right. I'm so glad that at that time they weren't trying to just please me. I needed the boundaries. Boundaries yeah. are there to, to, to make sure that we are safe. Mm. Um, by nature, children are explorers. They, are, they push buttons. That's how the brain grows, trying to see what you can test and how far limits can go. But if you let anyone just wander anywhere, then chaos prevails. And so I'm glad that yeah. they had that ability to, even in the tough times, like Tendai saying, 
it wasn't easy for them to say no. It wasn't that they were just trying to stifle our growth, but we've grown into such wholesome people. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. at that time, parenting is what helped. The friendship came later. The respect grew out of that. Yeah. You understood where they, you know, where they, where they were, the, the place they were standing from, you know? Um, and I think that's just, it, it must be hard and it's always easy to speak outside of the box before you're a parent. Yeah. So um, in my mind, I'm always like, oh, it's probably easier to tell parents what to do. <laughs> what to do. And uh, then, you wait, know, wait till you have your own. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's just um, having that courage and believing that what you are doing in terms of guiding and disciplining your children, if it's coming from a good place and a loving place, which most parents it is, is not a bad thing. Um, saying no isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes it is the safest thing you can do for your children. Yeah. Well, okay, L let me ask you one more thing then uh, about this whole area. What about for a young person who's a part of this, my story? Yeah. And they're going, I've got this huge dream. You know, I think I want to be this, yeah. but it looks ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't look like it could ever come to pass. What do you say to them? I think probably just to remember to take it every step, every day at a time. Mm -hmm. The dream looks ridiculous, but you have been empowered with the grace and the ability to achieve that ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And so to not be afraid to, number one, say what you believe and speak into your life and continue to work towards it, that small little ember will grow into a massive flame. But there flame. must have been moments, Rivi, yeah. when being a doctor is like, I'm amazed how much hard work it is. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the hours, you've done 24 hours in yeah. a row. Yeah. And I go, I don't know many people that live uh, anything like that. Yeah. And there must have been some moments when everything within you goes, it's too hard. Yeah. What am I doing this for? Yeah. And you question whether the goal's worth it. Yeah. What do you say to yourself when you get into that? really tight you know what I mean where yeah everything in your mind it's, it's not just, like yeah. somebody out there is criticizing you and you go no you, you're useless yeah. get out of my world yeah. it's you yeah what yeah. do you do then I just remember where it started and why I got into this to begin okay. with and for me it was always about that other person it was oh. about that woman who I wanted to see through that dark time it was about that person or that family who I wanted to um, you know give the opportunity to to allow them to have more children you know all of those things and in that space when you're just like is this even worth it I think there's always things that have happened that will remind you of how how much you are helping okay. and for anyone who's in that space where they feel like this is just too big or it's too hard I think just remembering that the reason that vision or that purpose that you feel you are called to um, is always greater than that moment that you're in um, and also just acknowledging that things are hard and they yeah. will be hard yeah. sometimes. Um, so you don't necessarily need to brush off those, those periods of grieving or that period of darkness, but knowing that, okay, it's just, it's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And every yeah, time right. you say that, Jeff, it just resonates because yeah, yeah. 
you do feel like just sitting there and you're just like, it's never going to end, but it's no, it's just walking through. And so there will be an end, but remembering and constantly encouraging yourself and remembering why you got You've there. You've got to be a good yeah. encourager yeah. of yourself. You do. You do. So you're dealing with not the joy of birth, mm. but the pain mm. and mm. the brokenness mm. that that's comes. followed in the years. Yeah, after. Do you ever despair of our society and do you, what's your thing when discouragement comes knocking and wants to live in your home? What do you do? Um, to answer the first part of that question, yes, my heart hurts for the brokenness um, that I encounter every day. But um, very, very similar to what Ruvi said, for me, when those things, those disappointments or that darkness comes knocking, I actually have to remind myself again of my why. Mm. This is about more than just me. It's about more than yeah. my emotions and my feelings. And how do I continue to show up so that there's a little less yeah. brokenness? Yeah. And even yeah. if that's one heart at a time, one Good. person that's at great. a time, that was still one life yeah. worth going yeah. out to work for yeah. today. Yeah. Um, so it really is, it comes back to, for me, remembering my why and remembering the broader picture as well, um, that it's, it's, this world is not just about me. It is not centred around me. Um, I've been put in a position where I can have influence and impact for the better, um, and that's really what I focus on. Wow. Um, that one person at a time is really what keeps me going. Thank you. Yeah. One last question. We could talk for a I say this in every one of the my stories because I feel like the reality is because I sit here and go, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, how much is the worship leading space for you? What yeah. does it mean to you? You know, is it about the the talent, the skill, the gift? You know, yeah. the audience applause. <laughs> I know you're going to say no. <laughs> so for you, what does it mean when you're there leading worship and you're leading people? What's the thing there? Oh, for me, Jeff, it is my battleground. That oh, really? is my battleground. It's an unusual that is, word to use. That is where victories are won for me in that wow. space. That is where um, negativity is defeated. That is honestly, for me, where the biggest breakthroughs happen. Wow. And when I say breakthroughs, I don't just mean our oh, breakthrough financially, someone's yeah. you know, given me $200,000. No, not like that. It's just where that release comes from and that power comes from wow. to know that I am not alone. There is more than just me in this game. There is the God of the entire world in this with me, wow. you know? And so for me, worship is such an honor to be able to draw people into that same power, into that same realm, yeah. and just allow people to, to experience His realness. Because yeah. honestly, when we're here on Sundays, you can feel it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can, can. feel, yeah. you can feel that and, atmosphere. And you know, online, I had someone say to me just yeah. yesterday, they said, I was online with you on Sunday, and they said, the presence of God yeah. was in our home uh, in an incredible yeah. way. It's not like I'm watching, it's I'm there. I'm there. And yeah. that is such an honor to be able to be in a space to allow that reality to come it's to people. Um, and so, yeah, it's on. It's a battleground for me. It is my proudest space. I never thought you were going to say that. No, it's my proudest space. Well, yeah. well yeah. Yeah. 
for me, um, I think what worship means to me and what, what the ability to be able to lead is, is again that drawing people into that space yeah. of deep intimacy yeah. because that's what I find. This is where I recharge my batteries. This yeah. is where I get the strength for the week. This is where I get the strength for the things that I need to do on a daily yeah. basis. And I think it is such an incredible space to be able to bring that mm. and have my worship moment but in a way that allows people mm. in to tap into that same thing. Mm. So um, wow. it's definitely never about, you know, yeah. how brilliantly things no, are working no. or how polished the songs oh, are or whatever. It's never about that. Yeah. It's, it's, Isn't it <laughs> some, days, some days things don't they go just right. Don't they just go completely and, But people awful. are profoundly touching yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, wow, I yeah. got all of the words to that wrong. song wrong. I, you know, completely. I had very little command of the English language throughout that whole service. However, However someone experienced something. <laughs> you know, Me too. So, yeah, so it really is about, you know, I, I my always the thing on my heart is if somebody else can walk away refreshed and can walk away energized and empowered out of that space then you know my yeah that's that's what that worship space means to me well look we've got to finish but i just want to say thank you to both of you first of all for following what i believe is the call of god I don't think the call of God is whether you preach in a platform or have a religious title, but every one of us is called of God. And you're both in very different spaces, but making a profound difference. I thank God for all the Christians that are in these places like you're in and that there is someone who knows God in that moment of pain or in that moment of brokenness or in that moment of disappointment or joy, that there's someone there who can add that little bit more than just good old advice or something. So thank you for that. And thank you for serving the people of God as you do. Those of you that love Ruby and Tendai, hey, just come to church. I'll be there if they're not delivering babies or helping broken families. And uh, before we finish, I do want to uh, just take a moment to say to any of you that are a part of this service online, whether it's right now, uh, you know, on, on any of those three platforms or whether it's later on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I do believe with all of my heart that the most wonderful moment in any person's life is the moment where they say yes to Christ. Uh, Ruby, you've done it. Tendai, you've done it. Yeah. I remember for me the same life-transforming moment that actually wasn't necessarily in a big public forum, but it first of all started inside of here And we here in this church, we say, say yes to Jesus. And I know that that sounds so simple, that if I just do that, you mean to tell me God will answer? And I go, oh, yes, he will. Some of the greatest things in our lives will start with the smallest moment in time. And this is one of those. And I love that verse in uh, John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in other words he was others oriented that's where it comes from for all of us really and uh so i would like to encourage you if you want to say yes to christ it's profound but it's also very simple and if you would like to do that then why don't you text yes why yes to the number that's on your screen there, 0488-826-392, if you're in Australia. If you're outside of Australia, why not use yes.metrochurch.org. 
.org.au. Of course, if you're in Australia and you'd rather get our help via email, you can do that. If you're on uh, metrochurch.online, the Yes tab is there for you right now. Whichever way you do it, what we will do for you is that we will send you the very next day after you send us your Yes, we will send you a scripture. It's a different one every day. We'll send you a prayer, a different one every day. That's not our prayer for you. That's a prayer for you to be able to pray because we know that like Tendai and Ruvi have said, it's about relationship, not about a method. We want to help you on that path of that relationship. So why don't you do that right now? Send in your yes. People do it all the time, and I am always excited to hear it. We pray for you, even if we don't know you. We'll never write and ask you for money or anything else. We're not about spamming you. We are about helping you, and we'd love to be able to do that. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the people that you are drawing to yourself right now all around the world. All different backgrounds, all different uh, experiences of life, some that have known great pain and others, Lord, for whom life has been pretty good. But each place, there is what Ruby said earlier, that sense of drawing, that there's got to be more than this. And we know it when we see it. And I pray, Lord, that people will see that right now, that their, their eyes of their understanding, as you call it, will be open and they'll go, this is for me. And I pray, God, for those people right now in Jesus' name, as they give you their yes, we thank you for that. We ask you to help them, strengthen them, lead them so plainly, we pray in Jesus' name. Father, we also pray for everyone like Tendai and Ruby and all those others that are a part of this service that are serving you in whatever career or whatever profession they're in, whatever job they have. I pray, God, that for each one of them, that their daily walk with you will show to the people around about them that there's something more than a job. There's something more than just a title. There's something more than a certificate. There's a, an ability to be able to make a difference in the world in which we live. We thank you for them both. Pray you'll protect them, keep them, and just use them mightily in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, thank you, everyone. Hey, thank you, Tendai. And thank you, Ruby. We love you both. You know, don't you love the fact that church is, it's like family? Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Mm, you just, it's just the comfort. It's, it's home. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just that space where you just feel loved. Mm. Awesome. God bless you all. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you next time for my story or here with us at Metro Church. God bless you all.